0: Hi, welcome to the Landscape of Crane's Cleveland Podcast. We are presented with support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. I'm Dan Paletta. Big doings this weekend when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum holds its annual induction ceremony. The class of 2021 will be honored on October 30th, Saturday night, a ceremony at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Here to talk about what's going to be going on over those these next several days is Wakan Wusa. She's the museum's chief curator as well as the vice president of curatorial affairs. Wakan, thanks for joining us today. It's always good to talk to you.
1: Yes, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: One of the things the museum is making very clear is this is the most inclusive uh, class that, that's ever been inducted. Why is that so important?
1: Yes, it's so important this year. Um, I mean, not that it hasn't been important in past years, um, but this year we're truly seeing diversity across the board. We're not just talking race. We're talking sex. We're talking diversity of genres that are being represented. Um, All across the board, it's diversity. And that's the beautiful thing. This is also the largest class that we've ever inducted in the 36 years that we've been doing this ceremony. So 13, artists will be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Won't get into the politics behind why, but this is our largest class. <laughs> and of course, that allows for more genres um, and more folks to be be involved. So we're really excited that we're making history this year on a number of levels.
0: How are COVID protocols being handled?
1: So COVID protocols, um, we're really Excited to be partnered with Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, who has been doing this. They've been hosting games, um, and you know, and practicing those health protocols, you know, prior to this induction happening. So there's already a built-in infrastructure there. Um, and you already know we've been pretty vigilant here at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with our fans wearing masks and things like that. So there's information all on rockhall.com. You can find this information on SeatGeek, which is sourcing tickets to fans. Um, so, again, we're requiring vaccination tests, uh, you know, required a COVID tests and things like that for folks who are coming in to the arena to participate in this celebration. So pretty strict protocols, um, but all of that can be found on rockhall.com.
0: We both mentioned that the event is taking place at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse that had normally been one held in Cleveland at Public Auditorium. So this is a much larger space. How does this change things logistically For in terms of experience? How do you think it's going to change things?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's going to change things for the better. To be quite honest, um, you know, more fans get to experience uh, the induction ceremony. We're talking about ten thousand people, I- expecting ten thousand attendees um, for this amazing celebration. So more, more folks from Northeast Ohio to all around the country who are flying in for this event. Again, the stage is is grander, and again, what better way to celebrate? what Cleveland is doing, then have it at Rocket Mortgage Field House, which has made some beautiful, uh, phenomenal renovations to their space. So we're really excited. You know, when we go to New York, we're at the Barclays. So to bring our show to another arena, another world-class arena, I think it's really amazing that we're we're having the show there. Lots of great changes, and I think it only will work for the performers as
0: well. Any feel for the economic impact it has for Northeast Ohio when the Rock and Roll, the inductions are held here?
1: Yes, you know, we were really expecting to see that change um, and that impact last year. And of course, we all experienced COVID and had some negative impacts to our our, our economy, you know. But this year, we're really excited to see impact, over $30 million of impact, whether it's folks uh, activating our hotels, restaurants downtown, to obviously folks engaging with what Cleveland has to offer. So this is a full activation across the board. And I really think it's pretty amazing to see what the city will do. And, you know, the weather is also looking great. That works in our favor. Again, since our uh, 2018 induction ceremony happening here, you know, events truly delivered over $37 million um, in economic impact. So hoping to see that in that same range and even more increase for this year.
0: As chief curator, one of your jobs is to put together the exhibit that showcases the honorees, which opened this past Sunday. What's that process like? How too much time do you have to get it together? Or, you know, what what's the process?
1: Gosh, you know, this year has truly been an anomaly year, um, and I think we can all attest to that. So the exhibition, you know, was slated to open earlier this summer. I'm just giving you a little tea, um, you know, and truly, the honest thing is, due to COVID you know, we wanted to be respectful to our inductees. And there are just certain things we could not change. You know, demand for certain goods, you know, have definitely increased, right? Things are inflated. Um, So to even deliver the artifacts here, to ship artifacts here, things were totally delayed. So we had to make sure that we gave that opportunity to the artists and, and to our curators and preparators as well. So the exhibit um, is really exciting, um, again, working with the different estates and various artists to compile and and uh, populate this exhibition. Thankfully, we've, uh, we've been able to pull from our vaults and collection. You know, we have in-house over a million artifacts in our museum and library and archives. So to add supplemental pieces from our own collection has been great. But again, working with the Go-Go's or the Foo Fighters and Billy Preston's estate uh, right on down. um, It was a really interesting and unique experience per each inductee. So you're dealing with 13 different different personalities and how they want their exhibit to be expressed and shown. And I'm really excited about it. One of the key things I love, uh, Dan, is uh, Carol King is featured in the exhibit, of course. She's one of the inductees. Again, making that history, diversity. Two women being inducted for the second time, again, Tina Turner, Carol King. Uh, but we have Carol King's piano, her acrasonic piano, where she composed and wrote some of the most seminal songs that we all love. It's Too Late, Tapestry, Natural Woman, the list goes on and on. Um, so, I mean, we have some really great artifacts I think our fans will love.
0: Now, one that stuck out in particular is what Jay-Z sent.
1: Yes, so (laughs) Jay-Z... And again, you know, I would say from last year's class, seeing the interpretation of the artist, you know, from Trent Reznor, I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, from last year with Trent Reznor having his representation of Mudstock, and that was the moment, you know, and folks were either expecting, you know an outfit or, you know, lyrics and things like that. But it truly is up to the artist what inspired them and what they feel has catapulted them into the ethos. So for Jay-Z, it's art. And if you look at his Instagram or you go on some of the, you know, check out the news with what he's been doing. He is an art collector. Um, Jay-Z is known for not writing. So we knew we were not getting notebooks. We're not getting lyrics. This is we're not dealing with Tupac here. This is, you know, a man who comes from the dome. He's the Michael Jordan of a rapping of, of this art form. And so he's inspired by art who are we to argue with Jay-Z, you know? I mean, so for him to be inspired by art, looking at these pieces, and to then come up with his the work and the creativity, I thought that was just so real. And for artists and uh, for fans to have a chance to sit down, view the artwork, and there's also going to be a unique QR code with a pre-curated playlist from Jay-Z's team with selected songs um, from his catalog, That is his exhibition. And I'm like, who are we to argue with, Hove? Okay, so I can't tell you what inspires you. And that's where things become objective. So um, we have to respect it. And I have the utmost respect for that.
0: Guitar heads are going to be pumped up for what the late Randy Rhodes estate is sending. This is a great piece of work that he's sending.
1: Yes, absolutely. So we are thrilled to have, and let me just get it right here. Do we even name the guitar? We don't name the guitar But we, I mean, truly, Randy Rhodes changed the course of metal guitar um, for, it was truly a trailblazer. And like you said, gone too soon. I believe he passed at 25, 26 years old, extremely young. Um, And so the fact that we have this guitar, his rig set up, his pedals, I mean, guitar heads who know Randy Rhodes are truly going to be pleased with this display. I mean, it's really sleek, really clean, but I think it really is a, a beautiful summation of what he contributed to the landscape of rock and roll. It's, it's a beautiful display.
0: There are a number of events that are going to be taking place during this week as we lead up to Saturday night's uh, major induction ceremony. One of the things is going to happen on the, the steps of the Hall of Fame with the Go-Go's. What's going to be going on on Friday?
1: Yes. So on Friday, we will have the Go-Go's here. They will be talking to fans and doing a book signing for those who are interested and in town. So you can catch the Go-Go's here. Those times and all are listed on rockhall.com, but the band will be here to engage with fans, which I think is really exciting. Um, And we'll also have the unveiling of the signature panels, in the actual Hall of Fame. So we'll have um, the Go-Go's present for that as well. So it's, it's going to be an amazing Friday leading up to the events on Saturday.
0: We talk about the diversity of styles. How would one describe the music of the Go-Go's?
1: No, well, you know what? I'm a Cali girl, born and raised from California. This is an LA punk grunge band. Like they are hard hitting women. I mean, you would not think You know, like this group and this band of ladies could just rip and shred as they do um, and still, I mean, just give off and empower so many women across the board. So, um, like you said, not to even categorize them, I just find them as empowering and they're just so free spirited. And it's definitely um, something that has inspired not only myself, but young girls all over. And just to be an Angelino, I'm like, let's go west side. Let's go.
0: (laughs) The Go-Go's, the Go-Go's <laughs> are going to join Jay-Z and the Foo Fighters. They're a very short list of people who made it on the first ballot.
1: Yes, a very short list. Um, and so it's really cool to see that uh, Foo Fighters... Made it on uh, where you have, you know, LL Cool J, who's been on the ballot, I believe, six different times. Um, He's been nominated. So to have him inducted finally this year is also a big deal. So um, a number of first time nominees who are now inducted uh, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not mad at it. (laughs)
0: The induction ceremony not only features performances by the inductees, but also people who do the presenting, who welcome them. And for the Foo Fighters, you're talking about some rock and roll royalty as as Sir Paul McCartney comes. How does that work? Does the band or the individual decide who gets to bring them into the hall?
1: You know, it is that relationship. It is with the bands, um, those who are inducted. So when you look at even someone like Tina Turner, for instance, Tina Turner is being inducted by Angela Bassett. We've mentioned that. So for those who've seen What's love got to do with it? You've seen the movie. Angel Bassett played the heck out of that role. So to me, for those who've seen it, that's like that obvious tie, right? So with Paul McCartney, similar. If you know anything about the Foo Fighters, if you know anything about Dave Grohl, they have a very close relationship. So that induction and that present uh, presentation makes a whole lot of sense um, for Paul to be there. But again, it's based on that, that artist asked and those and those relationships that already um, exist between the inductee and and the artist. So it's really exciting to see those pairings and and how that all will shake out.
0: Depending on who gets inducted and when in their career, sometimes these artists are are performers who aren't working as active as they used to be. But in the case of the Foo Fighters, I mean, they're still going strong after a lot of years. Has their music changed much over the years or do they pretty much dug in when they started and that's where they've kept it?
1: You know, I feel like that the latter is true. You know, they've dug in and stayed in um, this vein, although they have continued to revolutionize um, and continue to educate and draw new fans, but their message remains relevant um, and it it holds true. So I think, you know, in the words of Tom Morello, to be inducted, you need to be inspiring, impactful, and just purely awesome. And so that's, that's the criteria, you know? I mean, their music has definitely made an indelible impact and that goes without saying. So whether... Um, they're testing out new sounds or trying different things. I feel like with Dave Grohl at the helm, the Foo Fighters have definitely been a band that that knows how to rock and they know how to entertain a crowd.
0: I always thought that was interesting about rock and roll, and especially there are other genres of music where we demand like the music has to change every 10 years. And if you don't change then you're like behind the times with rock, if you're rocking out, that's good enough, right?
1: That's good enough. That's honestly good enough. That is the criteria. Just be rocking. Just be impactful. Just be awesome. You know, um, and that's the beautiful thing about this class. The music is so timeless. So whether you've played it ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, I mean, we're still singing. Will you still love me tomorrow? That's a Shirelles hit, penned by Carol King. You know, and so again, it's timeless. Rock and roll is timeless. I think it it supersedes the genre itself, it supersedes, you know, any time constraint. When you look at someone like Gil Scott Heron, the revolution will not be televised. That could have been the anthem for last year. Okay. So the revolution will be televised, you know, with everything that we went through. So I think the, for every inductee, their music definitely stands the test of time, which is why the criteria is 25 years of, you know, your music career. You have to have 25 plus years in the game um, in order to be inducted. So I feel like, you know, we have some amazing pillars we're celebrating.
0: This is the Landscape of Cranes Cleveland Podcast. We are presented with the support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. We're with Wakan Wusa. She is the Chief Curator and the Vice President of Curatorial Affairs for the Rock Hall. We're talking about the induction ceremonies and the inductees coming up this Saturday night at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. You mentioned a couple of inductees have been on the ballot a few times. We talked about LL Cool J. The other one is craft work. And I think there might be some younger folks who are not hip to why craft work is important.
1: Craft work is so... Okay. I will just say, if you are a lover of hip hop, (laughs) period, any electronic music, period... It's craftwork. Craftwork is truly like the granddaddy, the grandfather of... I mean, they're the foundation of the synthesizers based on rock, electronic dance, all of that music that we're listening to now. They really were the originators. I mean, they helped set the precedent and laid the foundation. So we're following their blueprint um, right now for modern. what modern electric music is today. So... I mean, they're extremely important. I mean, definitely influenced influenced by or influenced, you know, the, the Beach Boys. I mean, or the Beach Boys have influenced them in certain ways. I mean, you can hear certain nuances from various bands uh, over the period of time. But Craftwork is just so unique for what they've done in taking music further, just in electronic and hip hop. I mean, so many of their riffs have been... Either remixed or sampled into hip hop tracks as well, so you cannot get away without you know acknowledging their impact and importance. And we're really excited that they're being inducted this year. A lot of this information, when you go in, um, and even for those younger um, fans who are listening in or coming to tour and see the museum, we we drop those nuggets. So it's not we're not we're meant to you know plant the seed to spark. That interest for you to go down that rabbit hole and for you to go down and and Google more and check out our website and check out their, you know, extended bios and all this great information and packages that we've put together. But truly, they're the blueprint for hip hop, electronic music, electronic music, and where we're continuing to take it. And what we're seeing younger artists and contemporary artists doing today stems from craft work in certain senses.
0: You mentioned Gil Scott Heron when we talk about hip-hop forefathers, Africana Bombada comes to mind, and and The Last Poets. But, I mean, Gil Scott Heron is just so influential in terms of the the subject matter. You know, it wasn't just like flowers and love. He had some of that stuff, but it was social issues. He brought them up, and that's certainly at the core of hip-hop, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's at the core of hip hop and always has been, you know, a message where, and I'm saying the message, um, but truly the messages have always been in the music. And he's so prolific. I love the story. A lot of folks don't know, but Hotter Than July, Stevie Wonder's um, seminal record, that was really pushed to to get Martin Luther King slated as an actual holiday. Um, so in 1980, Stevie Wonder used that album and record to campaign for that to happen. Originally was supposed to tour with Bob Marley, ended up Bob Marley was on tour with the Commodores. But And so Gil Scott Heron, because of who he was, and and again, what you mentioned, Dan, the, the message in his music, it truly aligned with what Stevie Wonder was doing. But we have Martin Luther King Day, essentially because of Stevie Wonder, and Gil Scott Heron backing him. I mean, it wasn't signed until 1983, which is crazy. But um, yeah, that record and Gil Scott's hand in that is, is really important for that campaign.
0: We won't be able to touch on all the nominees, but I did want to bring up two other ones. Um, if Billy Preston did nothing else, he's one of the few guys who actually got listed on a Beatles record as one of the, one of the, the other musicians. No shit's Beatle. Exactly. Right? <laughs> there is a video of him when he was with Ray Charles, and he's singing maybe a song called Secret Agent Man. You cannot swing any harder than Billy Preston. Ray Charles didn't put everybody in front of that band.
1: Not everybody. I mean, Ray Charles was very, very particular. I mean, a lot of folks, I mean, I've heard Smokey Robinson say that about about Ray Charles. I mean, just a true craftsman or a true uh, skillful pianist, uh, you know, in the game. And Billy Preston, again, another contender. If you're able to play with the Beatles, if anyone can play with the Beatles at the height of their career, um, we're talking, let it be. I mean, this is, this is crucial. So um, to have Billy Preston inducted uh, this year, I think, is really exciting. We have some unique, unique artifacts. I won't give those away. We open the exhibit on uh, the 24th on Celebration Day. So we'll let fans get to see that, get to see that exhibit close
0: up. The other artist I thought it was wonderful was being inducted as an early artist, and that's Charlie Patton, a Delta blues guitarist. Um, I think it's great. You know, sometimes we lose track in rock and roll. We kind of think the music started in England in 1964. Now he's, you know, Patton predates rock, but it reminds us of the blues roots that's part of this music.
1: Absolutely. And again, that gets back to our original point of how we started this conversation. Again, the diversity of the class. And so to talk about the father of the Delta blues, I mean, we're talking... Deep Mississippi, Dockery Farms. I mean, so many musicians can kind of vaguely remember. I've seen interviews of John Lee Hooker and B.B. King, um, you know, talking about remembering vaguely like a name or a man. You know, these are guitarists, bluesmen who grew up on the edge of slavery, like still were living on plantations, sharecropper families, you know. So to have Charlie Patton finally inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I mean, it's like, finally, it should have happened a long time ago. I mean, this man, without him and his creativity and what he was doing, improvisations on the blue and playing blues guitar. I mean, like you said, it did not start in England. He is the blueprint. Like we were just talking about uh, craft work. He laid the blueprint and the foundation for where rock and roll could go. And so grateful that he is finally getting his recognition and being respected this year.
0: So finally, you joined the Rock Hall in 2019, so this is really going to be your first induction ceremony, correct?
1: Well, not my first induction. set. So I did it in 2019 in New York, but this will be my first Cleveland, in Cleveland. induction ever. I was so bummed that we, you know, COVID took away our-, our, our um, Took away a lot of stuff. Everything, sadly. But um, this year, I'm so excited to participate and see what Cleveland is all about um, when the induction comes to, comes to the land. And this is going to be a great celebration. So I'm excited. I'm already getting goosebumps about it, but it's going to be a phenomenal one.
0: Great. We're looking forward to it. Wakan Wusa, thanks for joining us today for The Landscape. We're always glad to have you.
1: Thank you so much. It's an honor and looking forward to coming back one time soon.
0: Wakan Wusa is the Chief Curator and Vice President of Curatorial Affairs for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. She joined us for The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. We are presented with the support of Weatherhead Executive Education at Case Western Reserve University. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Paletta. We'll talk again soon, and thanks for joining us.